Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with Idea Foundry CEO Casey McCarty to discuss what is a makerspace, the classes they offer there at the Idea Foundry, the membership opportunities they have, bringing communities to neighborhoods in order to revitalize them, hence the tale of two Franklintons, the new projects, partnerships, and opportunities that they have there, and how to get married there. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com confluence. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Casey McCarty, the CEO of the Idea Foundry here in Franklinton. Casey, how are you? Great. How are you this morning? I'm good. Casey, for those that don't know, tell us about the Idea Foundry. Great. Well, we are one of the world's largest makerspaces, and we are a tool in tech and lifelong learning playground. And we... what, so what is a makerspace properly? Sure. Well, a makerspace, the nomenclature is a little fuzzy because that can be 10 different things to all sorts of different audiences. Our version of it is that we have shared tools and shared spaces and shared knowledge so that people who want to make and learn and do can come here and find resources to achieve those goals. Fantastic. And so the building is divided. There's a what I think of as the makerspace on the first floor that uh, looks like what I think of as, you know, like a, a very, very nice wood shop uh, <laughs> or, or like almost like scene shop, theater shop, where there's tons of different like table tools and resources and, and anything that you may need for building and making. And then the second floor is almost exclusively, correct me if I'm wrong, offices, co-working and some event space, correct? Right. So it is the dust-free Floor versus the wood chip friendly floor. Gotcha. To be sure. <laughs> and what are sort of the, the the public aspects of the space that folks are able to get involved with? Like if I wanted to cut, if I wanted to build a birdhouse, and that's the metaphor I think I'm going to keep going back to here. If I wanted to build a birdhouse, how would I uh, come in and do that here? Well, first of all, I think that you could probably pick a more ambitious <laughs> project. That's very nice of you to say. And we could help you out with that. <laughs> um, but there's plenty of ways that the public can interface with the Idea Foundry. So all of the tools and the tech and all of the cool toys that you want to point to and be like, oh, what's that? What does that do? Mm-hmm. We have a class for that. Okay. And anybody can sign up to take a class. It's on our website. They're mostly adult oriented, although there are some youth or opportunities. Okay. You can take a class. You can learn how to make stuff. You can learn how the tools work, 
Or there's plenty of just cool, creative, hands-on experiences. You know, there's date nights. There's some informal things where, you know, we love to take people that have the, oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I, I never got tool or they didn't have shop class when I was younger mm-hmm. and turn them into, oh, look at what you just built with your hands. So we love that too. Give me some examples of the classes. Yeah. Um, so there's welding projects, wood shop projects. 3D printers, lasers, CNC routers. You can play in the metal shop. You can use the plasma cutter. Um, you can learn some intro robotics. You can wood turn. There That's is a little bit of something for everyone. Absolutely. And so are there folks using that space down on the first floor for like their livelihood? Like Ab- they are craftspeople that are building there as well during the day. Yes, absolutely. So our members, Mm -hmm. you can sort of think of us as a bit of a health club or any other sort of member base. So anybody can take a class. Okay. And then of those people who took the classes, if they want to join us as members to the makerspace, they can use any of the tools and the tech that they've been trained on. They can use them for their hobbies or their small business purposes. So about 60% of our members say that they're small business owners at some stage of their development. There's tons of weekend warriors, people that are sort of nursing along, a side gig, passion project, and then there's people that that is their full-time, replace the day job, that is what they do. Um, So you can find those people at at all different levels. But then there's plenty of hobbyists that are sort of, hey, I want to learn how to make this Adirondack chair, some of the projects that I see in... Pinterest or magazines or things like that and I just you know want to spend my time instead of scrolling on the Facebook to, uh, making some, Make wood, some stuff. wood job dust and it is regardless of whether you're a hobbyist or I'm going to call them hobbyists and crafts people uh, the membership fee is the same right right okay so and there isn't like they can show up at any time and do that work they don't they're not paying per hour Right. Full-time members have 24-7 keycard access. Okay. And we definitely see that there's differences in the days of time that people occupy this space. So the office and co-working folks are much more daytime, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. The creative class that occupies the downstairs, the makerspace, mm-hmm. um, is very evening and weekend oriented. I know I've left at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and have not been the only one here. Okay. And it's, I assume, you know, for the tools, it's first come, first serve, people, or people are signing up to make sure that they have access to the saws and the, then the tools that they need, right? Yeah. Members can self-book any single-user stations. Okay. And then multi-user stations, you know, several people can be working at the wood shop at the same time. Those don't require any sort of sign-in. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what's the membership? Give me the rundown of membership cost for the makerspace downstairs, and then also for the co-working up here. Right. So, uh, makerspace members—that's sixty-five dollars a month for full members, and then co-working full time is as low as two hundred bucks a month. Gotcha. Very cool. And talk about so the the space has been around for I think almost twelve years now. Founded back in two thousand eight. What was sort of the? It started as the makerspace, correct? Correct. And what was the impetus to expand into co-working and, and how, what, what's the story there? Sure. So I came on board about eight years ago. So it okay. was already an established thing. I came on board on our core. We were at Corrugated Way, sort of what we affectionately referred to as Chicken District. Uh, okay. It's Milo Grogan. Yeah. Um, on the corner where Rogue is now, basically. Okay. But there used to be three chicken stores on right. that corner. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was the iteration that I came to it as. 
And I got out of grad school at the apex of the recession. Okay. And in my own context of trying to find um, some clients and some freelance work came across that iteration of the Idea Foundry. Okay. And it was definitely a sort of co-op. And people brought tools and tech with them and then taught other people how to use it. And it was a tool share model. There was, I think, maybe 40 or 50 members at the time compared to our you know, six to 700, depending on what time of year it is. Yeah. Um, but it always had the vision of being the self-sustaining enterprise that could sort of deliver the mission to a much broader audience. Okay. And how did it come to Franklinton then and expand into co-working as well? Yeah. So we came to Franklinton with a public private partnership with the Franklinton, uh, the neighbor, the neighborhood CDC, which is now known as Fuel, mm-hmm. um, but was previously known as the Franklinton Development Association. Okay. And then just for reference, I am currently on that board, but I was not on that board when this transaction happened. Gotcha. Um, but No conflict of interest. Right, <laughs> right. There was not a conflict of interest. Got it. Um, we came to the neighborhood. They were really, the city gave them this building and with the goal of participating in the revitalization of Franklinton. Of course, this was well before all these $200 million worth of new investments have yeah. gone online. Um, and, you know, they got plenty of very lucrative offers of what could go here, but they wanted something that would really participate in sidewalk life, that would really bring humans to the space. Mm-hmm. And what we were doing, sort of de facto incubating of small businesses, of bringing hundreds of people through for programs and education opportunities, uh, and people were willing to do that at our previous location, which looked a lot less clean and accessible as this location. Right. So we we brought we were able to bring that community and sort of participate in the growth of the neighborhood that way. It was by bringing all these small businesses and bringing all these people seeking lifelong learning opportunities to the neighborhood. And in the time that you've been here, in addition to the $200 million in private investment going into apartments and condos and restaurants. What are the other experiences that you're seeing in the neighborhood? Yeah, well, so both our experiences with the Idea Foundry and then my experiences on the board Mm -hmm. is that, you know, we're sort of starting to see a tale of two Franklintons, right? Okay. This side of of, of Franklinton is becoming very conventionally robust, right? You're Mm -hmm. starting to see very trendy, very modern, sort of expensive um, housing opportunities, um, of course, we're adding to, you know, it used to be Rehab Tavern and then Strongwater before Strongwater even had food. And then it became like a restaurant, a, f- a fully functioning restaurant. And, right. And now we have Brewdog next door. So we're starting to see sort of layers built upon the the skeleton that was here. When we got here, uh, 400 West Rich, the sort of arts collective community was here. Mm-hmm and Rehab Tavern was here, and you know, it wasn't that we had like a bad experience, there was just not that much here, right? right. And then Land Grant opened, they're members of ours, by the way, um, and you know, we just started adding layers of things that you could do here in Franklinton. Yeah, 
And then, so what's the other Franklinton? So unfortunately, the other Franklinton is, you know, the rest of Franklin proper is a very working class community. Mm-hmm. The median income is, is not very high. I won't try to guess that number right now. Um, but the board that I'm on has been traditionally focused on affordable housing. Okay. And because of what this side's development has done to real estate prices and property taxes, there's yeah. definitely a pinch in the residential side where houses that were going for 30 to 60K five years ago are now 100, 150, 200 occasionally, we'll see, without a lot of development in those properties. So we're really starting to see some some struggling with the residential side as this side becomes more conventionally populated, more developed, more conventionally developed. And do you think that, for lack of a better term, the other side will slowly see, obviously they're seeing, uh, I'm going to call them improvements in their property values, but are they going to see, do you think, improvement in infrastructure and in uh, what's available to them? How do you think that that's going to play itself out? Uh, You know, not being tightly connected to the city and Mm -hmm. and those type of things you know i don't know what their timeline is i would say unfortunately right now there's a disconnect between the increase in property taxes and the increase of you know perhaps property value but that's becoming almost sort of predatory right we're starting to see people getting busted on code violations and sort of getting the predatory like we'll buy your house for cash type of right. hard, you know, hardcore proactive advertisements. And a lot of people are on fixed incomes. They're on, you know, there's a significant senior population. Well, it's a generational population too. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, starting to see landlords maybe not take the best care of some of these places while dramatically increasing the rents. Okay. Um, and sort of marketed to the the next wave of tenants and and not yet seeing the sort of infrastructure support. Mm-hmm. Right. Right now we still have problems just even getting streets plowed on the residential <laughs> neighborhood or, you know, police relationships could definitely use some improvement with the the neighborhood residents switching back over to the idea foundry talk to sort of the in addition to the foot traffic bringing people into the neighborhood the benefits of and the philosophy behind maker spaces sure so ostensibly now maker spaces exist in so many different models there's nonprofit models there's little wings in libraries Mm -hmm. and every community sort of dictates what they're interested in some we've visited and I've been to some of these all around the country. I've been to ones in church basements and I've been to, you know, tech shop back when it's heyday at the coast or in Detroit. Yeah. Um, so every community has its own flavor, which is a benefit, right? Each community sort of gets to decide what its priorities are. Our community tended to be very heavily involved with small businesses and entrepreneurs. And so that is our skew. It's, okay. It's small business friendly. About 20% of our members report that they launch their business after joining us. So some people gain the confidence and sometimes the skill set to be able to jettison the day job and really make a go at it 
after they joined this community. They turned, they monetized hobbies or they, you know, always had something they sort of wanted to do but didn't really have confidence that it could replace their day job income. Mm-hmm. We saw what was sort of affectionately called the stick it to the man party when people launched their day jobs. And we have lovely success stories of that happening. And then secondly, we form this internal economy that's pretty robust and that is definitely a, a differentiator that a lot of co-working spaces a lot of office spaces can't really say so yeah um 40 of our members every year report that they have hired or been hired by a fellow member okay and about a quarter of them have done both they've hired and been hired by okay and when we start there's such a considerable diversity in the skill sets that we have here and the different types of small businesses can find drone videographers and boutique uh, interior designers and architects and small law firms and people that are amazing at CNC skills, people who take people through the invention and commercialization, the product prototyping processes. You can find so many disparate skill sets under our roof that um, while we certainly advocate that you can learn these skills, we also are really hands-on and connecting people with okay. the resources that they're looking for. So for lack of a better analogy, people can come to us like, oh, you know, I know that you teach a CNC class, but like just who are your really good CNC people? Because and I'm sorry, what is CNC? C- <laughs> CNC. So computer numeric controlled, and that is sort of when the robot cuts a piece out for Got you it. based on a, a design that you might have had in a file. Got it. Yeah. Uh, great. We're all learning. <laughs> We're, We're all, all learning, learning terms here. Yeah. Um, and, and so we can point to those people and sometimes else it's, you know, I have this idea for a restaurant build out, but it needs uh, a lighting solution uh-huh. or who's your best programming nerd. And like, Hey, we have five of those nerds I can introduce you to. And so some of our role as facilitators of this is to get to know people, what they make and do, what their skill sets are to build relationships so that we can take people and say, Hey, is it you're trying to get through the patent process? I have someone I can point you to. Are you trying to, you have some small business legal needs? I have a person for that. You're trying to set up a nonprofit? I have someone for that, right? Got it. And are you formalizing that process or is it much more, I believe that you guys have like profiles on the website of all the folks that are located here and the members, but are you formalizing that in terms of networking events or member events? Are, are there, fo- let's say I am... Uh, a creative professional, but digitally. And so I'm not really interested in the makerspace on the first floor, but I also have a full-time job. Is there an opportunity for me here to integrate myself with this community to you know, work on my side hustle or frankly get hired uh, by some of the folks here if they need like a logo design or something like that? Right, so like so many ecosystems, membership is absolutely what you make of it right okay. so yes we have meetups we have tons of meetups spanning all sorts of different topics every month that are free and open to the public we have we special guest lectures we uh, always encourage people if they have a topic that they're really passionate about that we are happy to host that as a guest lecture um we have sort of natural opportunities for members to network and interact. You know, it's sort of the onus is on you to participate in those mm-hmm. things. Um, and then also we're a 24-hour space, so you can be here. You can make friends in real life, right? We certainly have digital opportunities to interact. We have private Facebook groups and messaging boards, and you can look at the member directory and whatnot. But 
um, really the connections are come talk to us come you know we can if you're not sure how to ingratiate yourself to the community how to make those first few contacts that you're telling staff that you're telling us what it is that you make and do and are interested in and what needs that you have that are not yet met and Mm -hmm. we can connect you intelligently with people that isn't so much you scrolling the member directory as saying you know what i'm really interested in someone who knows blockchain or 3d printing or whatever it is that Mm -hmm. your nuanced needs might be be like, okay, we have a handful of sources that we can sort of point you to. They like to come to the 3D printing meetup or they're here at the game dev meetup or they're here in XYZ capacity to, to meaningfully connect you a little bit more than just like, all right, I mean, we certainly have some social outings, you know, um, but if you really want to take it, advantage of networking opportunities that's probably the best most meaningful way gotcha and you are an event space too is that uh i've certainly been to a couple of like art auctions and some presentations here is that do you guys offer uh, you do offer event rental right those aren't just partner organizations that are doing stuff right so we both host our own events and then we also take rentals from the community whomever right? right Um, typically those are mission oriented, uh, partnered events. Sometimes they're like the annual stakeholder meetings for corporations, or it could be community, um, like you said, art auctions and Mm -hmm. functions. We do the, we've done for the last few years, the, um, fundraiser part, the urban scrawl turns into the art for Franklinson, for example, but we've hosted city council debates and, uh, other opportunities to meet elected officials, for example. Um, we've had the ballet here. <laughs> so it's really like a, a mix, a broad mix of sort of community uses. Right. Um, although five five people have gotten married here too. So I was about some. to ask, like, can people, because I think when I was a member, you couldn't, they, they were like, maybe in the future right. you can get married here. Right. But it's definitely come knocking on our door pretty heavily. And as long as you don't mind that it's a 24 hour space that makers are doing their thing. And you know, maybe you might hear a, there might be tool a every once in a guy while. sitting over in the corner <laughs> while you say your vows. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, our architect got married here. We even had, um, a gorilla wedding here where people just bought co-working day passes and then came in with their whole oh, team and s- got married. <laughs> I didn't know which gorilla you were talking about. Okay. Gorilla, the extra vowels. Yeah. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> so, and I'm so proud that people are like, yeah, I want to get married there. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's not, that is not our wheelhouse, but we are certainly happy if you want that, you know, maker Franklinson stank on your wedding. Like we will... <laughs> participate you're happy to do it you don't (laughs) offer planning services but got it got it talk to me about what's coming up at the idea foundry what initiatives are you working on you guys kind of set what's what's coming up okay so one initiative that's launching is our change makers program and we have a couple nonprofits that work out of here now and one of our newest one, um, formerly known as the Dick and Jane Project, rebranded as Wave. We yeah. amplify voices. Travis Hoser is the executive director of that. And in sort of talking about what they needed and really loved about this space, we decided to sort of formalize 
that into welcoming additional nonprofits here. So okay. there's some information on our website, and we'll be making a more concerted push here now that the new year has started mm -hmm. of some sort of introductory opportunities for nonprofits, people particularly in our mission wheelhouse, our sort of STEAM, arts, education, makery, entrepreneurial focuses. Um, that they can sort of set up home base here for a little less than what we normally charge Got for it. that. Okay. And then not only get some discounts on rent or co-working solutions so that their team has a place to work and show clients and fundraise and whatnot, but yeah. um, some interaction with some of our multi-talented members and staff here that can also provide some mentorship about marketing or business-oriented needs mm -hmm. um, and then also use some of our spaces for those fundraisers and outreach activities okay what else what else uh, a couple of our members are also trying to formalize our processes for taking on uh, design and production activities so okay. this has always been a sort of space that people have come to like ah, you guys have all the creative people like can we get this built in mm -hmm. and sometimes depending on our bandwidth at the time we've taken that on as idea foundry projects like our previous like sh shop manager um matt hatcher and his team did the vets memorial desk mm -hmm. um we've done some restaurant remodels and some other big projects um but this will be a group that will sort of activate all of the disparate talents so that they can take on clients and really reduce the bottleneck between the design and the making, right? Because typically we get all these great designs and then it's like, yeah, that's not feasible because material doesn't act that way or okay. because things that you're planning for, you know, is a lot more expensive than you thought it was yeah. or because outlets don't exist in the middle of the wall. You can have that floating shelf with that light feature right here. Right. right. So, so to have makers involved a little higher up in the design food chain as, yeah. it, as it is, is a real value add to say like by the time, even if you're just hiring them for the design process that, you know, you really have something that is actionable that you have a budget for that you know will work, whether it's us making it or not. Yeah, well, and it's like building a house as an analogy. Like you guys want, you guys have the opportunity to be the contractor who's hiring the mason, who's hiring the person to do the drywall, who's hiring the plumber, who's hiring the electrician. There aren't a whole lot of projects that just need a designer or just need a lawyer. And you have the ability to sort of bring in those skill sets into individual projects. Right, right. So, um, yeah, we have so many, you know, we have the woodworking people and the, you know, welding and fabrication and the electronics that can do lighting and very hyper-customized solutions, right? So nothing that's going to be made by a craftsman is going to be like Ikea price point style, right? right? But again, whether or not it's our people that are the final makers, certainly involving people that have that know how the tools work, that know how the materials work mm -hmm. early on in the design process. Um, we also have super talented designers. So um, Andrew Lundberg of Lundberg Industrial Arts has a lot of very visible, like the sculpture at the Pilot Dogs, for yeah. example, or has done some work all over the city. 
Um, it's really more about assigning who is the wrangler mm-hmm. of all of the design talents and what projects specifically need. So Got we're it. going through sort of market vetting process on that. And then that will be formally announced a little later. That's great. Yeah, well, so those are our primary initiatives. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a couple new tenants on deck. Um, so our founder, Alex Bandar, is also working with the Columbus Fashion Initiative, mm-hmm. and they're about to relocate here uh, in what used to be the Smart Columbus room. Yeah. Uh, so they will bring a new wave of sort of programming and sort of Columbus-based fashion initiatives yeah. here. We've sort of launched a number of member-led initiatives. Members want to sort of change the lobby experience. And just we're we're trying to empower more than just our staff to put the flavor of what people need here, right? So, uh, you know, if members want to redesign the lobby experience, members want a sort of visual representation of a member directory, for example. Those are January projects getting kicked off. So these sort of like group build projects um, you know so we're just stepping out of the way and letting people <laughs> play a little harder here in our space that's great and what is your background how did you get here to the idea for, I know you said you graduated in the, in the the height or the <laughs> or the bottom whichever however you consider it of the the recession uh, what's your under what's your degree in yeah, so I went to undergrad for criminology and psychology. Okay. And then I went to grad school. I got a master's of science in criminal justice and public policy. Okay. I was sort of all set to do pretty hardcore research on whether or not criminal justice programs reduced or increased recidivism and, okay. and the efficacy of public policy in the criminal justice realm. And now you run a makerspace. <laughs> now I run a makerspace. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I did some post uh, post grad stint in homeland security okay. and um, emergency management. Um, yeah, and then I am here. <laughs> I am here. So I sort of accidentally found a previous incarnation of the Idea Foundry and just networking for my own needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to sort of joke that I just took it over. <laughs> it was. Uh, the vision was that we would be able to have the self-sustaining enterprise, and some of that was the cat wrangling of volunteers. It was how do we monetize some of the things that we're doing? How do we turn some of the mission into revenue streams that could support the mission and yeah. deliver it to a broader audience? And that is what I did as COO for years. And I took over as CEO about 18 months ago, and that is still you know, have been my mission, is to improve being self-sustaining. Got it. Awesome. That's all I have for you. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite maker. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Mm